Hi readers, and welcome to episode 6 of Lost the Plot, the Tinted Edges monthly podcast all about books. I'm your host, Ang Harrod, and you might notice today that I sound a little different compared to the other episodes, a little clearer, with better sound quality perhaps. A big shout out to my partner Sam who bought me a new microphone. My previous episodes were recorded using my mobile phone, so hopefully you'll now be able to enjoy a sharp increase in quality. Today's episode is about bookshops, and we have a special guest joining us later in the show. But first, I thought I'd introduce a new little segment. I always seem to be talking about philanthropic endeavours to do with books, and there was a lot going on in August when it came to book charities. Since we have our own little book charity in my family, I thought I might name this segment in its honour, Books for the World. Throughout the month of August, the ACT branch of the Children's Book Council of Australia was running its Christmas Book Appeal. The council had collecting stations at all the ACT libraries for new books for kids of all ages that will be wrapped up and distributed at Christmas time. If you missed out, don't worry, you can find out more about the appeal in the links below and be ready in time for next year. As I'm on a little bit of a Roald Dahl kick at the moment, I dropped off three of his books on the very last day at the Civic Library. Another big event that you still have time for is the Great Book Swap for Indigenous Literacy Day coming up on 7th of September. Organise an event, bring books you're happy to swap, and for every exchange you make, you donate a gold coin to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Easy peasy! You can find out how to get involved by clicking the link in the show notes. I've managed to rope my newest book club into this event, so I'll let you know how it goes in next month's episode. Another event that was on during August was the Reading Hour, an annual campaign by Love to Read to encourage families to read together. I read about 40 pages of a non-fiction book that I was struggling through on the specified hour, 6pm on the 16th of August. You can read more about the Reading Hour in the links below. However, the most exciting event for this month's Book for the World segment is the Pen to Paper Challenge, which is being run by the Sydney Story Factory throughout the month of September. I have signed up and I'm going to be working on writing some zines. So if you want to support me or sign yourself up for the pen to paper challenge, it's not too late. Check out the links below. Now to book updates. So although there's still been no word from the book I set free a couple of months ago, The Man in the High Castle, I did hear that there's been a similar initiative going on in Melbourne on trains. Apparently one of their greatest fears, like mine, is that cleaners are going to pick up books left for others to read on the trains and throw them into the bin. You can read more about books on the rail in the links below. In other updates, the Spring Canberra Lifeline Book Fair is coming up on the 16th of September. So get your bags ready, get your gold coins primed and your book list sorted because it is the best time of the year for book lovers in Canberra. August was a pretty huge month for book news, so I had to be a little bit discerning to make sure that this podcast didn't go for about five hours. But we'll start out with the fact that August was Women in Translation Month. The challenge for Women in Translation Month is to read as many books as possible by women written originally in languages other than English. Since I started keeping track of the books I read throughout the year, I've also been keeping track of the gender of the authors, the countries they come from, and the languages their novels are originally published in. I already do quite well for reading books by women. 
Last year, 57% of the books I read were written by female authors. However, reading books by authors who aren't white Anglo-Saxon is something I've been trying to work on, and so far this year I've only read one book by a woman that was translated, and I have to say, it was arguably the best book I've read all year, The Vegetarian by Han Kang. If you want to find out about how to better read women in translation, check out the links in the show notes. And the next piece of news is that the winners of the Hugo Awards, accolades for the best science fiction and fantasy, were announced. Best novel went to The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin, and best novella went to Binti by Nendi Okorafor. You can read more of the winners in the show notes. Australia's most prestigious literary award, the Miles Franklin Award, was also announced, and the winner was Black Rock, White City by A.S. Patrick. In more local news, the weekend of the 12th to the 14th of August was the Woden Seniors Club Big Book Fair. I stopped by for a bit on the Saturday and managed to pick up some pretty nifty finds. And in other Canberra book news, during a bleary-eyed expedition one morning to get myself a coffee, I stumbled across a great little exhibition that's on right now at the Canberra Museum and Gallery, also known as CMAG. May Gibbs, one of Australia's best-known children's authors, is being celebrated with a collection of various editions and collectibles of her gumnut babies. The exhibition is free and is on until the 11th of September, and it is definitely worth a look while you're waiting for your coffee. When it comes to children's books, as per usual, there has been a ridiculous amount of Harry Potter news. As they're releasing a play... The script of that play, a new film, and the film screenplay was not enough, Bloomsbury have announced that in celebration of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone's 20-year anniversary, Hogwarts house editions of the books will be released next year. But wait, that's not all. The Harry Potter website Pottermore has also announced three bite-sized Hogwarts e-books, which will be released on the 6th of September which is around the same time Hogwarts students will be starting their new year of school. Look, I have to say, despite my enormous capacity for Harry Potter hype, I am actually starting to feel a little oversaturated at the moment. Less is more, as my mother always says. Anyway, you can read more about the Harry Potter cash cow in the show notes. So since I've been doing these podcasts, I've been amazed at how much news there has been about people being persecuted for the books that they read. For example, just this month in the UK, a woman was detained by police after returning home from her honeymoon in Turkey as she got off the plane because she was reading a book about Syrian culture. Faiza Shaheen, a psychotherapist and a Muslim woman, was reading Syria Speaks, Art and Culture from the Frontline. And that's not even the worst example I've heard this month about civil liberties being trampled on because of books. In Bandung, in Indonesia, a little organization called Street Library that lends books to the community, primarily street children from a little cart, was denounced as a motorcycle gang by the military. The street library was dispersed, and some of its members allegedly were beaten. You can read more about that story in the links below. So, in a bizarre story of books actually being used for evil, 
A girl in the USA who accused her father of raping her admitted in court that she actually used the facts from best-selling novel Fifty Shades of Grey, and she was actually just really annoyed at how strict her dad was. You can read more about this weird case in the show notes. In some more positive news about bestsellers, author Jodie Picoult is touring Australia this November in celebration of the launch of her new novel, Small Great Things, which is coming out in October. I've got tickets to her Canberra session, and I've got an advanced reading copy of her new novel, so I'll be talking more about that in upcoming episodes and reviewing her book on the Tinted Edges blog. August was a good month for me. I got to see the wonderful Dr. Anita Heiss talk about her new book, Barbed Wire and Cherry Blossoms, at the Fantastic Muse Bookshop in Kingston. Dr. Heiss talked about the importance of reading diversely and of giving voice to Aboriginal stories. I lived blogged the talk on the Facebook page, and I picked myself up a signed copy of her book as well. I can't wait to read it. However, I have to say the absolute highlight in August for me was the opening dinner of the inaugural Canberra Writers' Festival. Although unfortunately I wasn't able to make it to many of the events, I did get tickets to go along to see Paul West, the host of the TV series River Cottage Australia. Not wanting to wait until the official signing of his cookbook at the end of the event, I barged right over to his table at the beginning of the evening and got him to sign my book then and there. We had a great old chat. He is absolutely lovely and I will be reviewing his cookbook soon on the Tinted Edges blog. Finally, in exciting news for readers, a brand new study has shown that people who read books are more likely to live longer than people who don't. This survival advantage is regardless of gender, wealth, education or health and the study shows that while newspapers and periodicals have some advantage, they're not nearly as strong a protective factor as books. You can read more about extending your life through reading in the links below. So the 9th of August was National Bookshop Day, so to celebrate, today we're going to be chatting with the real live owner of a real live actual bookshop, Luke Canty of Canty's Bookshop. How are you doing, Luke? Good, thanks. Thanks so much for being on the show. No worries. So I guess my first question for you is, how did Canty's come about? Uh, it's a genetic disorder. Uh, it was the uh, the family business. Um, we bought a, uh, a bookshop, it was originally the, uh, the Fishwick branch of Gilbert's um, back in about 1992. And we traded under the name of Gilbert's for a little while, and then we thought, no, we'll change it to, to Canty's. And uh, we used to be in the Roundhouse across the way there. We moved oh, just o- in there? Yeah, yeah, moved over in about 94, 95, So for people listening, the Roundhouse is, well, literally a building that's round, that's just in the middle of the parking lot here. <laughs> um, and so do you sell different books, kinds of books now, to when it was Gilbert's, or is it... Yeah, it was not a great selection when we bought it. It was pretty much the bare bones of a bookshop. And, uh, yeah, we souped it up and jammed more books in and jammed a few more books in and jammed a few more books in. And, uh, yeah, and then we moved over here and uh, we added sort of rooms to the bookshop and jammed more books in them. (laughs) That's the secret. (laughs) The secret to running a bookshop, jam more in. It's always a trade-off, yeah. You've got to find that balance between having a, you know, a beautiful cornucopia of books but also, you know, not losing customers or... Uh, you know, making it sort of accessible so people can, can find what they're after. And can actually get into the bookshop? Yeah, yeah, that's important, yeah. We, we tread the line sometimes, but I think we more or less get it right most <laughs> of the time, mostly. So whereabouts do you get most of your books from? Most of them are just people selling them to us. They just bring them in, and um, we make them an offer, and they say yes or no, and uh, 
that's how we get most of them. But we also sort of hunt around the, the way most people sort of hunt around and try and find books. Um, and we stock a few remainders as well, which we get from remainder wholesalers. And could you tell us a bit about new remainders and what they're about? Yeah, it's a, it's a mysterious thing. I, I don't know much about the um, the inner workings of the business, but um, but basically when, when publishers are printing books, they've always got new books coming out and they've always... Uh, they print so many and they either sell them all and they need to print more or if they don't sell quite all of that batch or if they change the cover or something like that then what's left over is sitting in some warehouse somewhere and kind of being a burden because they need to get the fresh stuff in need to use the space and so uh, they sell them off usually at a bargain price to some guy who sort of uh, thinks he can make a profit out of them and uh, he'll take them to his warehouse where he stocks all his remainder remainder books and uh, and sell them on to people like us Brilliant. And how can you tell a new remainder book from another remain, another kind of book? Yeah, I mean, you know, condition is usually the first indicator, but um, here we have um, a different price point. So our, our remainders end in 95 cents, and our new books end in sort of either a whole dollar amount or a 50 cent price point. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, what are your favourite books? What are the books that lie in your bookshelves at home? Yeah, lots of them. I, I read a lot of military. Um, and uh, a bit of history as well and uh, I kind of sort of focus on sort of around about World War Two is where I've decided to kind of try and focus my efforts because there's just there's so much to read it's uh, it's a bit daunting otherwise so much to read so little time tell me about it gee whiz yeah but um, no I read a pretty broad range of stuff um, I do a lot of stuff on audiobook as well so I can jam an extra sort of you know 40 minutes of um, a book into my day and when I listen to audiobooks I'm quite often a bit more adventurous than what I would dedicate my time to with an actual book um, so I'll give you know I don't know a Jackie Collins ago or something like that just to taste it to have some idea of what I'm selling yeah. um, I don't always finish it as <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the Jackie Collins but um, yeah uh, and um, but yeah and my favorite fiction is probably Patrick O'Brien that's my the Aubrey Maturin um, series it's the one that I kind of it's my comfort read yeah. yeah, it's a lovely work. Oh, brilliant. And so we've got a question from a listener who wants to know, what is the go with all the books on and around your desk? So for people listening at home, uh, I think one of the one of the kind of really adorable things about Cantons is that literally are just books everywhere you go. Um, and they've always got rolling stock. There's always new stuff in every time you come you'll find like some little hidden treasure somewhere like only just I came in the other day and I found uh, the sequel of a graphic novel that I didn't even realize had been translated into English so I'm, I'm really keen to give that one a go but around the desk is there a system is there yeah what have we got? yeah um the stuff that's kind of behind the desk is the stuff I'm procrastinating about <laughs> And the stuff that's on the front row of the desk is the stuff that I'm procrastinating about. Um, and that sort of ebbs and flows, and every now and then we'll clean it off completely. Um, it also kind of gives me a good sort of work height when I'm standing up. Um, for me, I'm sort of 6'1". Uh, so that sort of front row of books is actually a pretty good height to work at when I'm standing up. And then the stuff in front is, uh, we try to keep that clear, but um, when there's stuff happening there, it's quite active. There's um, you know stuff that's, uh, this has just been priced. It's ready to go out on the shelf. Uh, this is a lady's pile that she's, she's accumulating at the moment. And um, when people bring books in to sell, we need a little space to stack them up. And if we've just bought a big stack, then quite often they'll be stacked all over the book, uh, all over the desk, rather. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining <laughs> us today. No worries.
That was Luke Canty, the owner of Canty's Bookshop in Fishwick, Canberra. You can find out more about how to make your own discoveries at Canty's in the links below. August was a pretty big month for books for me. I started out with the long-awaited Barkskins by Annie Prue, which, I have to say, I didn't actually enjoy all that much. Prue's short stories and novels have always captured my heart with their relatability and their humanity, and she is a genius at lingering on the minutia of everyday life. However, Barkskins was different to her usual style, and with so many characters and generations and locations and centuries, her sharp detail was replaced in this book with a blur. The most anticipated book was, of course, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the script of the play currently showing in London. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yes, the book was just dialogue and stage directions, and yes, the twist was ridiculous and a complete departure from any reasonable interpretation of the characters. But I sped through it, I laughed, I gasped, I fell in love with the new characters, and it was a wonderful step back into the wizarding world we all love so much, and I was thrilled to get that one last ride aboard the hype train. The next book was a book club book, and I think this book club book might have even killed the book club. Somehow, my expectations of Midnight at the Pira Palace, the birth, the birth I'm sorry, of modern Istanbul by Charles King, got wildly distorted, and where I was expecting a whimsical postcard from Turkey's Roaring Twenties, I, in fact, got a rather dry and whitewashed version of Turkey's independence told over and over from a number of perspectives. This made the next book an absolute breath of fresh air. I'm currently doing a Royal Dahl reading challenge because it's the 100th anniversary of the Great Writer's Birth in September, and Penguin are running a contest for tickets to see the play Matilda. All you have to do is read seven of Dahl's books and do the quizzes on the website. Anyway, Matilda is such a wonderful book, full of beautiful subtleties and Dahl's cheeky humour. Next, I read an ebook called Haze that I got from the author Brandon J. Barnard. I actually really enjoyed this, and I enjoyed Barnard's wry style and dark, twisty plot. I'm looking forward to seeing what else he comes up with. And then finally, back to the Dahl challenge, I read Danny, the Champion of the World. This book, I actually had Danny, the Champion of the World on audiobook as a kid, and I just adored it then, and I'm rereading it as an adult. It is just a wonderful book. It's an absolutely stunning book about fatherhood, healthy male relationships, and making the best of what you have. And I think this should be on every kid's shelf. All right, readers, that's it from me. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode in October.